side. Stick out the mandolin and the, the voice. The whole thing, really. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, Jair Gonzalez. What's up, Jordan? What's up, babe? How you living? Pretty good. Hot, warm, it's nasty, muggy, where we live. Make up your mind. Are you hot or are you warm? All of it. From the beginning. I'm the whole spectrum of warmth to hot to not... What's what's hot and warm and humid all over? My undercarriage is all that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, mm. That's salty. Wow. Wow. This is the earliest I've ever had an erection in one of our episodes. All right. Wow. Yes. Record. uh, Record. What's Uh, what's going on in the world of JR, man? Besides uh, the heat. There's a lot of, you know, right now, the more and more we've done this podcast, and the more and more I do comic book stuff, the more and more I get like, um, engulfed in the world of collecting comics and seeing people's personalities and one of the things i do right now is uh i actually kind of help uh, action city comics do their social media i help them uh i'm actually helping them start selling on facebook i might be doing some part-time work for him and getting paid to do that stuff uh for nice man um you should and, keep that stuff under wraps, though. Whenever, like, a, a free agent or, like, a, a, a athlete's on getting interviewed talking about their, their contract or their yeah. potential contract, they're always, like, no comment. So oh, okay. you're kind of spilling the beans right now. you got to keep that shit under wraps. I'm okay with that, your though. your agent's going to negotiate that. I mean, I did grow up watching the Patriots, and that's how they roll. But I feel like I should be more like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and keep everything out in the open. And then let, <laughs> and then let people get mad about it. You want to be Jerry Jones instead of Bill Belichick, bro? Why, why it's a not? Bold choice, because <laughs> uh, history has not been has been pleasant to one, not the other. That's I'd true. Say. That's true. Um, it's a, you know, there's a lot, actually, a lot to it. But um, what I say that to get to this point is, I've been researching a lot of comic books and variants, and there's certain books right there that are really, really hot right now. Which is uh, the Venom book's been really hot with Donny Cates, and the Thor book uh, by Donny Cates has been really hot this last year and a half. And so variants for these books, and if anybody doesn't know, a variant is a, ver- a different variation by a different artist of the same comic book. And a lot of comic book stores like Action City or bigger comic book stores like Golden Apples or Torpedo Comics and Las- uh, and, uh, and Midtown Comics, and these are just big other uh, comic book stores, they have very special like licenses and uh, contracts with artists who can actually get the print variant covers of the, like, let's say, uh, Venom 27. And they literally are selling. They're going from five dollars a book to like forty bucks the next day on this cover. So people Damn. are like going absolutely nuts about variant covers and comic books right now. It's a very fun time. It's a hot stock. It is. It's hot. So that's good for us. Um, and uh, I just uh, I've never been. I've always been a collector, but I've never been to the to this realm of collecting. And I, I'm not gonna like dip into it because it's expensive and you become very greedy. I guess. Famous last it. words right there. Um, I, I, I have bought some. I don't know if uh, I've got that Spider-Man. I'm not going to dip into it. I, I mean, I have bought some. but I have some. I'll go, I'll go down the list. There's some clay, This is going to be clay. recorded and used in your guys' divorce like court of law when Amber's trying to get – put, put an explanation of why she's of leaving you for all the money. Of dollars in debt. JR, we have audio proof that you've bought thousands of variants. That's not true at all. Um Thanks for turning that around on me. Appreciate that. Um, that's fine. That's why I'm getting an extra job. You guys will live together forever. It's never, never gonna happen. Never gonna oh, it's happen. true. It's yes. true love. She's not going anywhere. She's stuck. So, um, but that's that's what's going on in my life. A lot of comic book stuff. Uh, a lot of work and 
um, not spending that much money. So just yes, no trouble in paradise. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. Uh, and then we'll go to our third host, uh, published author and great friend of ours, Zach Barlow. What's up, Z? What's How up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Was really good. Oh my goodness! Yeah, bro. R and B intro. Yeah, bro. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my goodness! Instead of boys to men, you should be boy to Zach. <laughs> That's um, just a solo album. I don't know. I think we could do better. Let's 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 take it offline. I think we could do better than that, though. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back with the next episode. Every episode moving forward is going to be a new R and B title for Z. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on at the Barlow State, bro? Nothing much, man. I mean, uh, I'm getting ready to turn 30 this week, bro. This week. 30. Big the big dirty. three zero. So that's a, that's a big birthday coming up. And, um, you know, just been celebrating birthdays. Last week was Alicia's birthday. This week is mine. So, um, you know. And for, what's next week? Better fuck not fuck this up. What's uh, next week? What's next week? Um, the last week of August. It's literally a week after your birthday. Um, oh, wow. Seahawks training camp ends. <laughs> the season starts. It's my birthday. I know. God damn Jordan, it. I know. Jordan. Every year. I'm not going to give it to you, though. You, you, I, I you, you make it just too easy. I don't want to give it to you. I wouldn't expect anything less. But yeah, August is a big month for us. Yeah, right? man. It's huge. It's huge. So um, everybody's got birthdays, and that's been fun. And um also, we have a fantasy, a podcast fantasy league going on right now, which I feel like the listeners should know about just because we're about to take the ship. I'm feeling pretty good about our our podcast Hello. draft this this year. We're, we're, we're really communicating well, too. I feel like this is like the best the three of us have ever communicated maybe on anything is drafting really these is. fantasy players. I mean, I've never seen like the level of collaboration and like just play niceness that we've had in, in this draft. So... Big kudos to you guys for, uh, you know, accepting my genius for the most part. <laughs> I like how you so turn that Zach shit says, around quick. <laughs> <laughs> he always does. He always does. Accepting so Zach's bad. genius is having a response to every time he checks you when you have a suggestion. That's that's Zach's genius. I'll throw out some insight. He'd be like, well, uh, I kind of want to go another way, though. And then yeah. you have to kind of bring him around and explain to him why it's a good well, option. You got to do it and then just like, like Zach. Okay. You got to do it just like Zach. He literally will... You throw something out there, and he'll throw like a question at the end of that. Even though it's a statement, it'll be like in a question form. Does that really sound good to you, or is that? The oh, best you like this guy? Have? Yeah. Oh, oh, you like Preston Williams over Jerry Judy? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, it's exactly. Let's, let's dive deeper into that. Let's, let's, let's have that. let's have that conversation. But it has sparked dialogue, and I think that we've gotten we've gotten through a lot of stuff with it, and, and uh, no, yeah. we're really excited. Uh, what position our boy, were we uh, in? What position were we in? So it's a very cool league. So it's called the King of Beers. Uh, we had Nate McAllister on from Fantasy on Tap last week, and he his podcast is hosting this, and it's a group of ten beer focused podcasts um, are the team. So ten team league, they're all beer focused podcasts, and we got the tenth pick. So we got the last pick, Not which bad, some people though. would be angry. Yeah, I, I like the last pick because yeah. you get to go it's serpentine, so you get to go twice in a row, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've. We found our little pockets. So for those of you that play fantasy football, there's obviously a variety of, of scoring and, and league settings you can set up. This is the weirdest one I've ever been a part of. Um, it's called a super flex and a tight end premiere, I think is what the wordage, the verbiage is. But basically a super flex means you have a position where you can play a running back, a receiver, a tight end, or a quarterback as your flex. And in fantasy, quarterbacks are usually the most fruitful of the positions because they have the ball in their hands literally every down and they throw touchdowns a lot. So 
in this league, you can start up to three quarterbacks at a time, um, which is very interesting. And then tight ends get more points per reception than any other player or any other position group to kind of intensify that, that group. So us going at the end of the first round, we, uh, we, 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 we did the fade the quarterback theory. So there's fade positions means you don't draft them early. You push them off and push them off. And everybody was drafting quarterbacks. So we faded the quarterback and we went running back, running back, and we got Ezekiel Elliott and Derrick Henry in the first two picks, which I think is solid. Yeah. Getting solid. Zeke at the pick. Woo. That's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But then we followed that up with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. <laughs> we mm. took mm. feels t- good. For, it's just it's bizarre drafting, and I fucking love it because it's a tight end premier league, and it's the top two tight ends. And the the drop from number one and two to three in tight end groups this year is probably the most significant in any other position group. So I'm very happy with our team so far. Me too. Um, we're actually coming on the last three picks of the draft, and it's a slow draft, which I've never done before, which is like a couple-week-long draft where each player has four hours to pick, and it stops at 8 p.m. and starts again at 8 a.m. And so this draft's been going on for, what, three days, four days now? Yeah. Um, it's very weird. But we're up in two hours. So – uh, potentially, if the person before us, uh, Fantasy Football Sweetness, which I think is their their podcast name, if they go during this episode, we're going to have to pick live on air. So we'll see if that happens, but it's exciting stuff. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's our that's our fantasy football uh, situation. And uh, let's head into the episode a little bit. So we have a interesting comic and it interesting beer selection today um we're reading or we're talking about die uh the comic book about a fantasy delve into reality and that's what we're going to talk about we're, we're uh we're talking dogfish head brew uh the 90 minute imperial ipa uh which i'm very excited to talk about so without further ado let's go to beverage breakdown glasses are literally starting to slide down <laughs> so i'm gonna try and keep my my personal sounds to myself <laughs> it's like so hot that I'm, I'm like feeling like sluggish like i'm just like oh god get me out of here take just just slowly disrobe just, <laughs> like by the end of the episode strip, <laughs> let's like play strip podcast doing just doing this podcast yeah, anyways, guys, I don't play. know. I didn't think. I thought the plot point was, and I'm just like straight up naked. All right, well, this was supposed to be the beverage breakdown, but it's turned into strip podcast. So we're going to do speed trivia, and every question you get wrong, you take off an article of clothing. That's not how Zach, square root of 95. Go. Square root I, of 95 is. Time's up. 15. Take off your shirt. <laughs> it's quick. I don't like Pop this top. game. I don't like this game. <laughs> I don't like this, this game. This is like the most. This is the Harvey Weinstein game of oh, fucking God. trivia. <laughs> it's real dark. Uh, no, but we're talking Dogfish Head Brew. Um, it's a pretty well-known brand, and you see it everywhere. And I've drank it before. We actually did an episode that never got released. Um, the first time, the first attempt at the Killing Joke, I believe it was, uh, Jr. And we did the Pumpkin Ale from That's Dogfish true. Head Brew. I had uh, that beer in my uh, fridge for over a year. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, known as the brewery that it's the off-center beer for the off-center consumer. So they're really about uh, unique style and unique taste. That's all I really knew about it. So I've never really been a f- like a huge like advocate for it because I've never really experienced it. I listened to an interview. Uh, the uh, owner and president of the podcast, 
or the podcast, the brewery. His name is uh, San Caligione. And I listened to an interview with him on another podcast um, from a couple years back. And he opened the floodgates of what Doghish, Dog, Dogfish Head Brewery is. And it is so much deeper than I thought it'd be. And I don't want to spill too much because honestly, I'm reaching out to Sam here in the near future because I'd love to get him on this podcast and let him explain the story. But they are such a unique brewery. They are they were start, established in 1995 uh, in Milton, Delaware. They are um, their goal was to be the they wanted to take the most risks because when they came into play the in 1995 the most popular beers were the ones that were pushed by corporations so like the Bud Lights the Coors Lights the Bush the the light lagers that was what everybody knew and then obviously we saw the craft beer world take over and that's where we found today is um, to be in the renaissance of that but. Early on, he was a small brewery. They made 12-gallon batches, and they just wanted to experiment. And they didn't want to experiment with just anything. They wanted to experiment with with history, with global history, and with culinary um, artisanal ingredients. So basically, they're the only brewery that I'm aware of that uses 100% organic uh, culinary ingredients. And they travel all over the world and look for unique historical stories to build a beer out of. And for example, uh, he told a story in this interview where he read a book that was actually a journal from hundreds of years ago or something like that that was printed 100, 100 copies of it only. It wasn't really sold. And there was this guy who got made this beer in his own home, and he got drunk off it and fell off his barn while he was building it. And it was this hilarious story. And his family ended up making this Woolrich uh, clothing company. And so he reached out to that the owner, Sam, reached out to the owner of that clothing company to get the recipe for this beer so he could make it. And then he asked to use the spruces from the trees on their farm instead of hops to add extra flavor to the beer. And wow, they made this delicious beer called uh, Pennsylvania tuxedo. Another story he had was they took some residue off of a tomb in ancient Egypt in a crypt because they have a micro molecule investigative team that travels around the world, investigating dig sites and archeological archeological sites, finding unique organic residue and unique organic molecules to make recipes out of. And so they have a beer made off of Egyptian tomb residue. Like the stories go on. Anyways, it's just so, so such a unique brewery that I don't want to tell. I don't even want to go on anymore. I want to listen to him tell it. Hopefully we can get him on here. But the the beer that we're drinking today is the 90 minute IPA. Now I've seen this in stores. The name is catchy. 90 minute IPA is intriguing. I want to know what that means. And I've never had it. So this is my first try and it's a beautiful goldenrod mm-hmm. um color it's uh it's context of why it's called the 90 minute ipa 90 minute ipa is because they boil the hops for 90 minutes and the process they learned it from was uh an like an old cooking video in the early 90s to where they they were watching some cooking it one of the, i think it might have been sam was watching the cooking video and they would sprinkle pepper on this soup while they were slow cooking this soup and they would sprinkle pepper in consistent but small amounts for a long period of time, as opposed to dumping the pepper all in at once. Mm-hmm. And what that did was it build the pe- build the flavor of the pepper without being too much. So they took that theory and translated it because they had the culinary in- influence. Translated it to hops, and they would sprinkle in hops consistently but in small amounts for ninety minutes in the boiling process. And so what that does is it builds depth depth of flavor without overpowering with the hop. And it came out nine percent ABV which we're recording this on a weeknight and I haven't eaten dinner. I'm going to get hammered. So let's do this. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but it's it's got a very it's supposed to have a very hop forward flavor, but not overpowering. So down the hatch. Oh, okay. So it's an Imperial IPA and it tastes like it. It's very strong, but in a very subtle way. And what I mean by that is you, you can taste there's alcohol in there, but very, very subtly. More so you taste the beauty and the earthiness of the hops. Now, there's no citrus in this, which I know uh, we're big fans of, us three. We like that citrus, you know, kind of balance to overtake the earthiness. This is all earth, but I will say it is not overpowering and it does not taste like it's 9%. So uh, this is a beer you have in the wintertime when you want to get good and drunk. This is not a summer beer, but... If you want something to sneak up on you where you can't even tell it's coming, um, this is the beer for you. Is it heavy? So it's a little heavy, but it's not as heavy as you anticipate. It's not like uh, when I think of heavy IPAs, I think of like Pyramid Outburst mm-hmm. or um, like those those just those just hot explosions, you know, where it's just God. Or obviously you can talk to stouts and everything, but when it comes to IPAs, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. And this is not as heavy as that. It's it's crisp. It's got a lot of hop. It's a lot of earthy flavor, though. So you're gonna you're gonna have a mouthful of flavor, um, but yeah, I can already feel my 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 uh, my blood flow getting a little warmer. So I'm gonna start getting as hot as you guys here as we, as we talk about the story. So this should Ooh. be a good one. Ooh. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Dogfish Head Brewery. So there's there's a lot to learn, and I feel like we just breached the tip of the iceberg on this one. So uh, hopefully we can talk about it more in the future, but. That's our uh, that's our beverage breakdown. And without further ado, let's dive into story time. Sit crisscross applesauce and listen to our boy Jr. talk about die. All right. Uh, so this story is a very interesting. It's di- it's different than our normal takes of stories. I think it it's like a um, it's a role playing game based storyline uh, with fantasy and dragons and knights and elves and evil right um the story was written by yeah basically and i've heard that the um it's like based off of a DD cartoon from the 80s um it's what i've read so that makes a lot of sense so it's not based off the dungeons and dragons movie with marlon wayans in the year 2000 it could be um we'll have to investigate that a little bit more (laughs) I didn't look in that The far. worst movie I've ever seen? No. Marlon <laughs> Wayans does a D&D movie in 2000? It's called Dungeons and Dragons, and it's probably the worst movie I've ever seen. I've yeah. never even seen it. Wow. <laughs> put I that on my watch list. I'll put that not on my put watch list. Put it on there, listeners. <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> it's entertaining, uh, at least. Yeah. Um, it was written by, uh, hopefully I don't uh, butcher his names, butcher their names, Carry On. Jillian and Stephanie Hans, um, published by Image Comics. Uh, I think it came out last year. Um, the uh, the last current issue came out um, this year, I think. And we what we read was volume one, which was called uh, The Fantasy Heartbreaker, which is issues one through five. And this story follows six characters all together. And they fall into a world of... Uh, I guess almost like a Jumanji situation where they p- start playing mm. a game and they get turned into uh, live action. Um, they basically got... turn into their characters. They they Pretty start to, they as kids they start kind of playing a and D game and then they Jumanji style get sucked into 
the world as the characters that they all built and mm-hmm. then they escape it and then as adults they get tricked into like getting sucked into it again and so we fo- we follow the adult version of the D&D characters that they created as kids. Yeah, and and it started uh basically the story starts in 1991 when they're like teenagers and right. uh their buddy Saul uh I can I have like a little poetry synopsis here. It says the night was bright, the year 1991, a night with friends, a shared birthday for Dominic and Saul. Fun night, right? Saul had a very special game for his five friends, but really his best pal Dominic was the target of of this gift. Uh, a role-playing game developed by by himself and so the dice was handed out or so-called die uh, d-i-e which is the name of the book right so the, mm-hmm. and this is where like the it's kind of like an ominous like it almost feels like um to me it was like a, a stranger things beginning right where it was like a bunch of kids hanging out and friday night everybody's like let's hang out at at have pizza and play board games and you know, every per- every person got to write down their character any way they wanted to, which in the book, uh, Dominic says was um, very dangerous. It's actually a very narrative book more than a uh, conversation book, mm-hmm. right? Because Dominic yeah. talks a lot. Yeah. yeah, I um in my notes, I I have uh, written down that in the beginning, um, I'm glad you kind of pointed that out, Jr. Because it does seem like if you just kind of follow the surface of the story, especially the art, it seems that, oh, this is just a bunch of kids playing D&D. Like, this is a dope night. This is fun. And But I found that there was a very ominous tone to, to that scene. And I kind of wondered why that was. Like, what exactly about those panels made me see something that should be fun and joyful, feel ominous as a reader? And I think it was the use of the narrative past tense. So the narrator, the narrator would always talk about what was happening, like what as we were seeing it, but it was always in the past tense. So instead of saying "Yeah," and then I got the dice, it would say "And then on that night I got the die." And I feel like just that slight tweak made it feel very ominous. Like what the fuck happened? So obviously something went wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's definitely a dark story. Um, and so what happens is this magical game that somehow soul which is a mystery in itself developed takes them to a fantasy world and they disappear for two years. There's a lot of trauma that happens while they're there. Uh, and they're the six characters. I can name them. Uh, Dominic, uh, is the, is the main character. Uh, Angela is his sister. Uh, Solomon is his best bud who created the game. Um, Chuck is the kind of the, I guess the asshole of the group, but necessary. Right. Um, and you have uh, his Matthew, who is a smart one, uh, maybe a little bit more sensitive to maybe other things. And then Isabel, who was the uh, hot bilingual chick of the group. And um, it follows these people. And when they return, only five return, not six. And Saul mm. was actually the one that stayed behind. Um, and at this time in the story, they don't talk to you about what happened to him. Um, but... An event happens, die number 20, which was his die, his dice, I, I don't know, his die came back and kind of triggered some stuff for them because they're now in their 40s and this is, you know, uh, a difficult time for them. They've lived life. Life hasn't been great for them. And now they they get trans transported back as adults to their wonderful land of yeah. game. And, and I game. think it's... Uh, 
I think it's a great com- comparison to Stranger Things. It's got that nostalgia factor as well. Like a big thing about Stranger Things, it's set in the '80s, you know, yeah. so it has like all the cool games. Dungeons and Dragons is just starting up. Um, one thing I forgot to mention in the uh, beverage breakdown is that when they first started this 90 minute IPA, the process of slowly dropping in hops consistently, it wasn't a person doing it for 90 minutes. It was a old school nineties. Remember those football player games where they had the board, you set your lineups and that just fucking vibrates and the players move. (laughs) They literally use one of those and put hops on it and just let that, the vibration drop the hops in like as it went along. So they uh, had a stranger things brewing process as well. The nostalgia is there. Um, but it's it's uh, it's kind of like it as well because in it you have the beginning when they're kids and then you have the uh, the second half when they're adults That's so true. and mm. when they come back in the second part of it they're they're not the same people they were at the beginning and this is very similar like they came back like Angela uh, I believe her name is is uh, Dominic's little sister she yeah. comes back with one arm yep uh, Solomon doesn't even make it back uh, they're 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 not the same people and they're changed and as it fast forwards twenty years. Their lives didn't end up being how they hoped it would be before they played this game. Like, they're not in a good place. Most of them, at least. Which means that while they're in this fantasy world, there's the stakes are just as high as if they're in real life. People get hurt. People get injured. People die. Like, if you lose your arm, when you come back to the real world, you're not going to have that arm. Like, you're you're still going to be mortally wounded. And so that adds to, like, the seriousness of every encounter they have when they're in this, like, fantasy world. Correct. Yep. And um, and so when they transport, they obviously transport to different types of beings, which is, I think, really important because there's a really big significance in some of this. Um, and I'll, I'll go over the names. Uh, Chuck is the fool. So he's almost like, you know, the guy who does Fucking the t- Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, just jumps into battle. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. Uh, that's like, that's his in. whole thing. I feel like he's like <laughs> the run luckiest in, motherfucker. All, he. He's just like, yeah, fuck that. I'm j- I'm running in. It's just like, yeah. dude, what the fuck? Man? His superpowers are literally carelessness and luck. Like he doesn't. So like, he doesn't get a lot of bad things happen to him because he doesn't fucking think about a lot of things. Yeah, and it, he has yep. good luck. Yeah, yeah and he, he reminds me of Domino from uh, if anybody if I guess the most yeah. depiction of her is in Deadpool the movie, but she's actually a mutant who has you know uh, ability and her ability is luck. But everything else around her yeah. gets bad luck. So um, similar is the black cat or uh, Catwoman sometimes has that, you yeah. know, stigmatism to Pre- her. Pretty so. powerful ability, honestly. It kind of like, is. Catwoman like, that much prowess. Uh, Catwoman doesn't have that ability. She's a little she's bit. Just, it's a little bit there. I think Catwoman's more got of nine a ninja. Lives. No, but this guy like literally will run straight in the face of danger. Like no ninja-esque moves, no pl- pre-planning, no like acrobatic whip and style or anything like that he just runs straight and (laughs) it it seems to not go too terribly for him every time that's true um so why not keep fucking doing it i would uh the next character is matthew and matthew is called the grief knight fucking kind of badass dude honestly kind of a badass concept i did get more excited about his the characters in this in this comic are incredible like they're the characters so good they create i'm so jealous that i didn't create these characters in our dnd i know dude like the grief night so, bro the grief night is oh one of the coolest things God. i've ever heard in my life sorry oh. to interrupt jr yeah all right who wants to tell them what the I, i'll tell them okay the grief night is basically probably one of the the strongest out of the six but for him to gain his like powers which is 
uh, his sword turns into flame. I mean, he becomes indestructible. Is he has to be sad, and he has to feel anguish. And the more anguish he feels, the stronger he is, which is absolutely crazy. And one of my favorite lines in this book is he talks about, you know, he actually has to be manipulated in the beginning because he actually had an okay life being an adult. He has kids. He has family. Uh, he's a very safe person, right, as a kid and mm -hmm. as an adult. And uh, Ash, who, which is Dominic, ha and um, we'll get to this a little bit more, has to talk to him by using her powers. Remember why I say that? To make mm -hmm. him feel sad. He gets mani manipulated. But later in the book, he actually says, please make me sad. So he, and it, which I thought it was badass. Like, it's like a, such a sad thing to hear. But he's like, make me, please make me sad so I can come here and destroy this. And he can destroy dragons. He can destroy humanoids. He can, zombies. I mean, there's really nothing that, he was very indestructible mm -hmm. um, in his anguish. Which I thought was a, an amazing thing to have. That. That scene you just described was one of my favorite parts of the book. Is like he's talking, like there's this dragon. The dragon's mauling the entire city, and there's humanoids. Fucking shit this, up, by the way. Like, like in this, I yeah, don't want to underplay how fucking nuts the situation was. It's almost was. like a steampunk dragon. Yeah, right. Like, it's right. like and they are getting wrecked by this dragon. This gas, which people's eyes are bleeding. Yeah, like, like everybody's like these, dead, bro. Everybody. Yeah, it's a dire. And there's humanoids. Situation. There's humanoids in this world that you connect to because you're. You know they're not real, but you're also they're right in front of you, talking to you, crying about their families, bleeding in front of you, so you feel it. And then Matt comes up and he's like, "Make me sad." And then he just <laughs> looks down, and his fucking sword ignites into flame. And then the next panel, the fucking dragon's beheaded. Like it's just, it's ultimate savage. Yeah. Well, what Ash does in that moment is she just tells the story of all the dead people around him. Her. Yeah. You remember yeah. she's in that trench and she's like, this guy had a wife and a, and a daughter. This guy, um, you know, just wrote a letter that to that she's never going to get. This girl came from blah, 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 blah. And she just tells the story of all these dead, these corpses laying around them. And as she's telling the story, the flames on his sword just start like getting higher and higher. And it's just like, and then next panel, dragon's head is just fucking on the ground. It's just like, oh. It's okay. Just <laughs> it's pretty so sick, fucking dude. Cool. Yeah. Oh man. I'm All actually right. disappointing you, Zach. I feel like that's your fucking character that you should have been writing about this whole time. Is that I know, man. <laughs> I know. I the feel night, like the grief. The grief night, night. Like I'm. I'm the same. Like I saw the grief night, and I was like, "Wow. Like, what is? Who am I now? I don't. Like, I'm just not sure. <laughs> because how get... did I not think of that? Like, it's so good. <laughs> so all, I mean, all of these characters, I feel like, are so so good. They are, um, yeah. but the Grief Knight in particular, I just feel like fucking Christ, it's so sick, it's genius. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's yeah. a good point to step uh, for us to, to uh, kind of bring to light. The, the characters are so good, so just keep you know the characters maybe outweigh maybe some things about the story. Um, but oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the next character is Isabel, and Isabel turns into the God Binder, and her. Power. Bad, so bitch. sick, dude. Two yeah. words. It's, Bad fucking bitch, dude. Exactly. This, this and she's actually right much more, in the beginning, when she's a kid, she's like chewing bubblegum. She's the hot girl of the group. Like I said, she loves to party. You know, she actually went out with Solomon, broke his heart, all that kind of stuff. You know, she. I think they, they even talked about how she walked. You know, she kind of walks with, you know, this kind of, you know, maybe it's like a hip to little hip. strut. Little strut, um, which drives people yeah. crazy. Uh, but this one, she's much more... Um, 
I guess, serious and much more unhappy about things. And she has. I think she's been grounded, dude. Right. Like, she's been grounded in this role. She was, They were in here for two years before they kicked out. And I don't remember what happened to her when she came back to society. I don't well, know if they she had on no that. life. She even talked about how her life, she had nothing. She had no. She lived with her mom. She it, it, she said even if with her mom or her parents die, she doesn't even have a cat to have be the cat lady. So literally, she went from people probably adoring her to nobody adoring her in her personal life. And um, when she comes into the what they call the uh, the world of die, is she becomes like I said the God Binder, and she has to barter with gods for superpowers or to heal people or to manipulate the situation and so every god says you owe me for this or hey mm-hmm. just so you know you're I'm keep going i'm raising my hand because i, oh, I want to say oh, something on, like, on, oh. on isabel oh okay i was like what oh <laughs> uh, like that's what? powerful though if i raise one finger everything stops well i, I maybe Dude. you have to go urinate I, I gotta go um no no this is important well you are drinking that heavy beer i'm really worried about you as that beer goes down i'm already drunk i'm already i'm already <laughs> So let's let's go. Okay. (laughs) I haven't Um, eaten since noon because it's a work night. I love recording on weeknights because like I want to drink after working all day and I haven't eaten dinner yet. So like it's even more powerful. Makes it extra fun for you guys. That's your (laughs) (laughs) what's your what's the name of your power after you drink (laughs) beer without food in it? You must be powerful. Willingness to continue, I guess. Uh, no, but my favorite thing about Isabel is when she says, because like they declare who they want to be right. before when they're when they're first starting this game mm-hmm. before they actually go into the world, mm-hmm. and she wants to be the God Binder because she wants to be an atheist that has gods as pets. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, which is one of the cooler concepts I've ever heard. Yeah, besides Grief Night, like <laughs> like these. Who's the writer of this? Jr. Curion uh, Jillian. Carry on, Jillian. And he wrote... I, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons with Carry on because this guy has an imagination and these character development... Like, that's a player card that I want to play with. Like, you have gods as pets. It took me to uh, Final Fantasy VIII, which I don't know if you played, JR, but I know Zach's played. And and Squall is the main character with the gun blade. And you mm-hmm. have this deck of cards with, with gods. And you can, like, play these card games to earn more cards. But you have them trapped in this card and you can summon them in battle. And they come and they fight for you. And this is exactly what I felt with Isabel's character. She summons the gods, but there's such a catch. And there's a catch to all of these yeah, heroes, which I really think is really is. cool. Yeah. There's no ability that goes unpunished. Right. And her punishment is she has to owe these gods. And when she owes them, that means either a manner of worship, a manner of uh, sermon. Like she has to go to a, a chapel and preach yeah. the gospel of one yeah. of these yeah. gods. It's just whatever they want. Like just to just to save her own life. Like she gets healed. Yeah. She's like getting ready to die. And then finally the God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I'll heal you. And then she gets healed. And, and then the God leads her into this like church pew essentially. And she has to like preach this gospel. Just as you were saying that Jordan about the atheist that wants gods as pets. I, I, I didn't connect the dots until just hearing you say that. Although I do remember that section, but it feels more like she is the God's pet more than right? like she has the gods as pets. And it's funny. Cause she's like, I want to be an atheist, but it's like, she's the most religious one out of all of them. Right. She's like delivering the sermons and like, she's so <laughs> intertwined with the gods of this world. It's like the exact opposite of what she ended up wanting. Forced preacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for that, she gets amazing powers, right? She's pretty much like the healer of the group and the mage of the group. But think about this. How do you get your pet to do, how do you train your pet? 
treats. You reward them. Yeah. You right? Like you you do something over and over again. You reward them while they're doing. It. Like like she is for, at their mercy to a certain standpoint because she owes them, but like she gets what she wants by giving them what they want. It's almost like an exchange. Like kind of like when you're training a dog. Like it's obviously she's the least the less powerful one in the scenario, yeah. but she controls the narrative and she rewards them with what they want, which instead of snacks or treats, it's sermons and praise. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of a unique dynamic. Yeah. It's it very, is. very interesting. It is. Uh, yeah. And, but she's also kind of beloved by those gods too. Cause when she came back, they're very happy that she came back. Those, they're like very pleased to see her and they like having her as like, almost like a friend. I mean, they were very, very happy to have her back in the, the world of die at, you know, to, to barter with. I'm sure and, gods get bored, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if yeah. you have somebody you can communicate with, like they look like they're just like, well, what do you want this time? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't want my friends to die. Yeah. I'll think about it. <laughs> and then you have to, like come up with this whole bartering scenario. So yeah. like, it makes sense. It's very cool. It's very way. cool. Um, the next character is Angela, which is uh, Dominic's little sister. And she just wanted to be a cyberpunk um, at and to, for this. and But she wound up being wrapped into it. And the her name is called Neo, which it's uh, N-E-0, N-E-O. And what mm-hmm. she – her powers are very um it's like a i don't know how to describe it she literally has to have a certain piece of gold almost like money or currency and putting it into a slot and she's able to become a badass herself i mean she controls these metal dogs um and she has these abilities she's an addict yeah uh, uh, she's basically she's she's basically like a like a uh she's the rogue of the group so she's a she's a the quick ninja assassin but she has this kind of Iron Man. It's more. It's like an anime Iron Man um, exoskeleton. Imagine like a if you're a fan of anime. Imagine like a Gundam suit, but it fits just your body. And um, in order to use it, she has to have, as Jr. was saying, a currency. She can't just like whip out her laser sword or like do the disappear reappear behind move. She has to like pay for everything she does with this like gold currency. And so what that creates is like a, an addiction. Almost like she's always looking for the loot, just like the perfect rogue in it. Like if you've ever played WoW, you know, the one that rolls fucking need every time, like doesn't share the, loot. <laughs> the fucking rogue that never lets you get like, oh, that staff. Yeah, fucking need like, dude, fuck that guy. That's basically wield it. Yeah, that's basically her. She's she she'll stop the battle. She'll stop like what she's doing to get more of the currency because she needs it to continue. Yeah. But she's also like a badass in her own right. I mean, she's. The ninja, right? Yeah, she's pretty strong. I, and I think the the really, I think my favorite part about that character is when she is doing battle. The more she exerts herself, the faster that power runs out. Like it isn't just like you get like a bunch of gold and it, it lasts for like ever. It it literally is the more she exerts herself, the faster it goes, like a battery or like a gas tank. And so she literally could be in the middle of a battle and it could stop. And that's where I think the grief knight came a couple times and said, "All right, let me just do my thing." And let me just handle this. I'm, I'm just, you know, whatever. Like I'll the just, badass. He's Igor, yeah. and he literally wants to just take a nap, but he's because he's so sad. But yet he's like, "Okay, I'll kill this guy. I'll be that." He's also the the baddest. Yeah, yeah. I don't really like yeah, your tone Neo- when you're talking about the grief knight <laughs> like that, Jr. To be honest, Why? like I didn't. I'm just saying, like Does it make you I feel good? like you should have some more respect in like the way you speak about him. That's how he talks. Grief knight's a bitch. So, uh, oh my, we're God. talking about uh, <laughs> the Neo. 
Uh, I can't wait for the uh, credits are trash. Um, so the Neo is a nod to Matrix. Has to be, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I didn't get nah, that, though. I, I, did, I just, so. Only the name, I, when I read it, it kind of took me there. But I didn't get the, the nod to Matrix. Cyber, like Cyborg, like Neo. Like, no, there's something else. I mean, like, does Neo mean something else to me? Neo Maybe. means new. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a nod to Matrix. Whatever. But I did think the character was very cool. This is Angela. This is the one that came back without an arm. And so yep. when she returns, she has a cyber arm. Um, one part of her character that she's very, like, just the younger sister of Dominic and lusted after by, what's his name? The fool. Because he's a horny yeah, bastard. Chuck. He a, likes and elves. He's a terrible, and, and she ended up dating him and admitted that she was he was the worst boyfriend she ever had. Um but one thing that was really funny about Angela was uh, she was talking when they when they re- returned to the world. She's like, I, I, I miss him. I need him. I want him. I've never wanted him more. And it's almost like this lustful dialogue. And then, like, she gets some gold to summon her power, and she re- she gets a pup. She gets a little mechanical yeah, she dog. she gets a, like, her little like, pup back. Like Rush in Mega Man. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a dog. <laughs> That's charming. That's fun. That makes it so much better. Like the dialogue translates into a such better way when she returns to the dog. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I remember that scene. I thought that that scene, because I remember they set it up as, I'm not sure if I should use this power. I haven't seen him in so long. Like it seemed like somebody had died right. and she was yeah. going to like go back to the death, the death realm to try to retrieve somebody like this real dark scenario. And then it's just a dog. It's a so. metal dog. Yeah. Like Transformers. The metal dog, dog. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. And so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna talk about Solomon because I feel like uh Ash is uh, and the transformation and what you know that character goes through is much more important than Solomon a little bit. Um. Solomon is obviously the one that got stuck behind. So he's been there for 25 years, and so he's the dungeon master. He's the grandmaster, is what they call him. Um. And his eyes. But before. Uh, yes, he before was he, like yeah. he was the one that coordinated the create the game. Yeah, and so um, his eyes were are replaced with the die, and the die are really important. They're like a, a crystal ball almost, and um, he bring and he brings them back. And his powers, I'm a little confused on what his powers were, other than just being manipulative um, and controlling, um, and wanting ultimate power, I guess. But I don't know what his abilities, other than he can control the whole world. Like he was the builder, and he can control the whole world, the creator. He seems like a mage yeah. to me, just like a fucking magic. I don't know. I there was nothing in the book that made me feel like, oh, this guy's a mage. Except, I guess, except how he looked. I think his character well, design. He he had like I think he was wearing like robes. Like he has like yeah, long kind of evil cloak style type of character design that made me feel like, oh, this is some magic user of some sort. So. So his dynamic it explains it more in the in the end of the story, but he can change rules. So he is the dungeon master, and he first off the art with his d twenties as eyes with blood dripping down them is one of the cooler things I've ever seen. Like I would buy that yeah. on a shirt on a painting. I think that's fucking like epic. Yeah, but Stephanie Hans does amazing stuff in here. They mention they reference, and I know Z, you didn't get the the um, final few pages of this, but they mention uh, when they first ventured down there, when he was there, he would change the rules, and that's how they got out. They won because he changed the rules and helped them fight. And so their concern was going against him is like he can just change the rules. Like how are we going to beat him? So his power is really like God. He's the dungeon master. He can turn things. Like 
he like we haven't talked about the dictator yet, but he can control their power. He can control everyone's powers and just make a rule where your power doesn't work for this time frame or you can't do this in this area. And it happens. So yeah. he's very powerful. And that's a that's a great point because there's a, a part in the book where they're try they're trying to get out the characters and they have found kind of like his gem and it's called Glass Town. And Glass Town mm. is something that and there's actually like a flashback to nineteen eighty five as a kid and he built this massive castle as a kid out of like built a blocks or whatever and his mom says, Hey, now it's time to tear it down. And he goes, Why? It's finished. And Glasstown was his representation of that for him. So he loved to have this like perfect built up uh, so city and uh, like statues and and you know all kinds of items and, and castles and the people were there were manipulated and by him and the way that they they needed to attract him so they could fight him so they can go home again. And so what they do they destroy Glasstown, which drives him absolutely like he shows up in an instant, you know. And all hell breaks loose after that. So um, his, his ability to, to create, which makes sense because, I mean, that actually fits him really well because of his control issues, you know, of, of mm-hmm. that nature. So how do you upset a god? Like, yeah, burn their project. Like, their shrines <laughs> to themselves? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to burn, like, you know, Athena. I'm going to go down to the Memphis, uh, you know, Tennessee and, and burn down her little statue that's in there. You know, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So the last character I left on purpose because there's a huge transformation, which is a very important, I think, in this book, which is uh, Dominic, who turns into Ash, which has the power to the power to speak, which is voice, um, to manipulate, to control, to um, tell you know, uh, uh, control anybody by their by what they say it's kind of like rumor specifically emotions though yeah emo- right? um i don't know if it's emotions i mean he she so this is where i got so ash from dominic turns into a lady which is ash which becomes the leader of the group and, and she is uh the sex appeal of the group like everyone talks about even the humanoids like whenever they see her yeah she actually gets with someone at some point right and that person yeah. died in the in the world yeah uh, yeah, they talk about that too, because he's a guy in real life, and he turns into a girl when he comes in this world. And his friends are like, "So when you come here, you hook up with dudes. Is there something you want to talk to talk to us about?" And it never comes never comes to fruition. But I'm I'm sure that's in the second volume. Yeah, but I uh, also I love the response of that of in that uh, scene because it's actually a it's actually a part of the narrative. It's not part of the dialogue, but right. it's an internal narrative where she she says something along the lines of, "They're expecting a simple answer." but I don't have a simple answer. So I just say, stay silent. Like, it's just like, it's not simple. It's not like a yes or a no, or I'm this or I'm that. It's like more com- complex and they want something that fits easily into like what their understanding is. And so I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. I thought it was like really an interesting moment and pretty, pretty well handled to be honest. Right. And very relevant. You can tell yeah. it's written recently, which yeah. is beautiful. Yep. And they, they call her lady Ash and she is, you know, she is kind of like, um, She's almost always like a witch. I mean, she really is. She looks like a witch. She has powers where she can manipulate. In fact, um, at the end, she turns into she has really like ultimate power almost with her sword arm, which is I love how she describes it. It's a a dagger, but with less of a range. <laughs> it's called Death Touch, and it's Death an ability touch. in Magic: The Gathering, yeah. and it's very very potent. So. <laughs> 
death uh, touch. Don't yeah. be too impressed is what uh, what she says. Uh, it's you don't basically fuck with a death touch. She's underselling death touch. Yeah, it's called everything death she touch. touches can can die. Yeah, yeah, it's like imagine being Magic the Gathering. So imagine you're playing a card game and somebody's trying to attack you. All you have is one character that you block with, and if you touch it, you die. Like death touch is powerful. Yeah, so she's underselling it. Yeah, um, and. And that's, I mean, that's all the characters. They go through, throughout the story, their their abilities are being explained throughout the story. And each one takes a, sh- like a special part of the story, which is, I thought was a great thing to do. Because again, the characters are the best part of the story to me. And they write it, he writes, Killian writes it as a major part. Each character has a, me- a major scene in the story, which is like an origin story, obviously, of what they can do. Um, and Ash at the end finally shows another level to her power. Ash and- is a bad bitch, bro. Like we said, the Godbinder is a bad bitch, but uh, yeah. I don't know, bro. I think I, I more, think she's she's more. If there's one bad bitch in the group, I think I'm giving it to Ash. Yeah, she's definitely more complicated. Um, she de- there's a lot. Uh, Ash is narrating through the whole whole story, um, and she she's trying to she's doing whatever she can. She's crossing lines she's you know burning bridges to get home and to get them home and yeah that's a a a scary scary thing yeah so here's my thing is this this, are we going into like overview mode here or are you just gonna talk no i'm just gonna recap the, the the rest of the story so like Ash is powerful she's the dictator she has the same power as the preacher essentially like if she speaks it it happens like or it, rumor, it is, right? it, yeah. or rumor. Yeah, absolutely. So that is incredibly powerful. On top of that, she has death touch, which she doesn't introduce till the very end. And when she introduces death touch, she's actually killing Solomon who they yeah. came back to save. And the reason that she can't kill Solomon is because in order for them to all return to the real world, they all have to be in agreement that they want to. Right. And Solomon drew them all back. When he sent out that D 20, you find out he was the one that sent out the D 20, the and, it was covered in blood, which was Solomon's little twist or touch. And they come back and he wants to play. Like he doesn't want them to leave. This is like a world he created. Let's play forever. Let's play Dungeons and Dragons as opposed to living as accountants and fucking cashiers and shit, which I, I get the appeal, but they wanted to go back to their families and their kids. And he was not having that. And so Ash shut it down and killed him. Like it got really dark really quick. And then, he rises. He's a fallen, which is and a zombie. He's a fallen. And they've been fighting fallen. On top of this dragon, they've been fighting fallen, which are like these zombie demon-like creatures. Mm-hmm. And he informs them that this is what happens when you come to this world as a human and you die. You become a fallen. So you're trapped here as a zombie. And your motive is to kill the humans because if you kill the humans, apparently you can return to the world. Hmm. Did I miss anything on that? Is that correct, that sounds, JR? That sounds right. I, there's a, a dispute at the end as well, which changes, which gives you a cliffhanger. Which I have questions about. So I have questions about all this because this is all dropped in like the last five panels, like all yeah. this information. And then he's, and then she goes, okay, well, we're going to go and make sure they all die. And then he goes, it's not die, it's murder. Yeah. Is Solomon's response and then it's credits. Hmm. And yep, I don't know. I I have questions on that. What what are your thoughts? So my my biggest thing t- is that a big 
I guess, I mean, obviously we're throwing spoilers. There's a big spoiler. All the people that are in the world of Die are actually people from planet Earth, right? Earth 616. Mm-hmm. The Fallen are. The Fallen are, but not the not the humanoids. I thought they said the humanoids, the people in Glasstown too. Like, everybody at some point was living on Earth. So I, I no, he. I thought he said when you when you come here and you don't return, you become a fallen. I don't remember the humanoids. Okay, well, being I, a part of that. I thought they were all a part of it, and and I the reason I say that was because when he says murder, you're not killing just an imaginary person. Even even when they kill humanoids or regular people or rope, they're killing something that was living on Earth, and that's why he calls right. it murder. And they're and they're destroying that thing's chance to go back to Earth. Correct. Ultimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So that is murder. But in that same sequence, uh, I don't know if it's Isabel, but somebody references how even though they're not real, these humanoids that we're taking care of, they might as well be because they're in front of us and they're bleeding. They're, they're like she like explains her her doubt with leaving them. And that's in the same time this is all happening. So I feel like if they were humans as well, they would have acknowledged it then. But I feel like th- they are caricatures. Um, and I think that the fallen that they're going, cause like, cause like, uh, Ash said she wanted to wipe out the fallen and that's when he's like, this is murder. Like if you wipe out the fallen, you're killing all the humans that want to make it back to the world. So there are some PVP like yeah. CPU players, yeah. but the people that are like, they're, they're actually attacking, like not their peers, not their partners. Those are the people that they are murdering. I just the reason I thought that was because he actually says they're everyone who came here from our world and died. They all star like I am, but diminished until they are just empty need, right? Isn't that what he's they all started as like players and then died and then become the fallen? Isn't that what a zombie is? So that's why that's, that's why what I, the fallen is. Yeah. Yes. So but when they become but the people the, that are humanoids, there they are not. So like the, I, there's there's like people a, that are in the world, and some and if you kill them, some of them, then it's murder. I I just don't like doesn't matter. I feel like there's people there that are getting killed. I feel like that's yeah, that's the point. I would right? say there are people confusing. there, but there are also simulations. Yeah, there is I mean, a little confusion. There's a there is a portion where he actually even um, Solomon when he's speaking, it says zero zero one zero one, which is like binary code. Which is like, yes. what the fuck is going on there? Um, yes, I, I didn't have a question. That. I had so many questions. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. So I could see why we're, you can have different views of this, you know, which is a great thing about a story because you could think one thing and someone could think someone else, something else. So, um, but it's not a great thing when everybody has questions. That, I mean, I mean, I, I think cliffhangers <laughs> are meant to do that, though. I, I mean, I like, I if, if yeah. all your questions were answered now, then. The whole point is for you to have questions and want and hope for those questions to be answered in the next volume. I agree. I think I think that's the purpose. I agree. Little twist. All right. Well, I <laughs> I kind of agree and, and I want to say more. So <laughs> I love it. Is there anything it. else that you want to touch on with the story before we go into craft or trash? Uh, that's it. That's the end of the story. Um, it's beautiful art. I mean, you get you do. It's an easy read. You know. So I mean, mostly everybody can finish it. Um, in a time you're gonna sell it right now. You're gonna give your opinion in a second here. So yeah, so yeah, I, that's it. That's all the story. All right, well, we'll start it off, babe. What 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 do you what do you give it and why? All right, craft so or trash? I'm giving it a a craft, but like the bare minimum craft that I could give it. I mean, I'm gonna give it. Uh, we're not supposed to give fives, so I'm gonna give it like a five point. Jesus. 
I'm gonna give it a five point seven. Just some weird. You were the most positive motherfucker this whole episode. You're giving it a five point seven. Five point seven. Um, here's why. I, I'll get. Let me give the positives about this book because I think there's a lot of great things. The characters are amazing. Um, they they make this. Period. Okay. Um, the story. Um. I thought it was pretty bland. I mean, I'm not an RPG guy. I don't play board games. The only time I do that is with you guys. Um, or, uh, or I think I. Are you we, talking to your your roommates? Like they're in the room with you because we don't play RPGs either. We're like, uh, I've we seen usually you guys are working out or watching. Okay, football. that's not true at all. Um, no, that is pretty true. I work uh, on cars in my hey, free time. What? Uh, yeah, it's he's like a mechanic. The opposite. Uh, he's like uh, maybe I'm a quarterback. Like on a board. I, I mean, I literally. I've seen you guys talk to board creators at Renton comic book convention and get their cards and buy the game and get all the details, get their phone numbers. Yeah. So I don't think that was, you must've been mistaken. That yeah, wasn't yeah, me. I'm concerned about your memory. Are you okay? I think How's I'm okay. Been at I think home? I'm okay. Um, I just, I was, I think I was cutting trees down. I'm that like day. losing my thought. <laughs> I was doing pushups every day. The last six years. I can't even think anymore. For hours. <laughs> so it could have been me. No, I don't think. All so. right, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> we love Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Fuck uh, it. But I, you know, there's not a lot going on in the story. And maybe it was the way it was written from a narrative standpoint. I don't know. Um, I think it's it's a dark. It gives you a dark perspective from a narrative standpoint. But there's not a lot of dialogue going on. So there's not a lot of um build up to a lot certain things. Um, it's a magical world. I mean, I've read Lord of the Rings. That that's a magical world being built together. You know what I mean? Um, I've read The Hobbit, and that that that's a big construction worth of world. I've read other fantasy books where you know there's a lot going on, and I know there's a comic books so you can't do a lot of those detailed things. Um, but I just I wasn't too impressed. I wasn't excited. I I do want to read the next set of books just because it did have a cliffhanger, but I mean, if it didn't have a cliffhanger, would I be wanting to read that i don't know um and like sure. said um uh, i would tell you the art was i like the art because the colors and some of the 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 aspects of it but some of it is a stylized art so if you're not hip to stylized art um it's okay at times you know maybe what do you mean by stylized all right what so stylized art is where um the body and the way you do your um hands the way you do your anatomy are kind of offset, right? So when they talk about stylus art in comic books, it's like, um, like the hands are really long, the faces are really contorted. There, it's not a normal, you know, where the bodies meet, kind of like your when you do a drawing. There's certain areas that you pinpoint. So like when your hands reach down to your thighs, you know, that's like a normal thing. And so a lot of times, um, stylus art, I, I, there's, I, I like the art. I'm just not impressed with it. I, I just, you know, when you, I've seen like Greg Tuccini, who does. His is stylized art too, as well as the low books, right? That is called stylized art, and so it's very unique to him, and it's very. She has very unique art too. It's just at times they didn't look very good to me. Other than it's great, she has a great color, uh, perspective, which is a great art thing. So, um, but the, I, I just I am fucking shocked. I'm not by too this take impressed. From JR. Uh, I'm and not. let's transition with that into Zach's opinion. Z, where are you at, bro? So I definitely fe- I understand a lot of what Jr. said. Like I it, there's I'm not shocked by all of what he said, but there are certain things that that were shocking to me. So for me, and maybe I'm just a fan of stylized art. Like maybe that's what I'm coming to grips with. But 
I was kind of blown away by the art in a lot of places. Like, I thought that the character design for the Grief Knight and Ash and when they went to the City of Glass, I thought a lot of those panels were just beautiful to me. Like, just absolutely gorgeous to me. And, like, we've all touched on the characters. I think that's one thing that uh, we all agree on. The characters are amazing. Incredible, right? Um, I also agree, though, that the story itself didn't do a lot for me. Like, I, I kind of felt like it tried to be dark, but it in a, like, whimsical fantasy world with, like, magic and dragons and stuff. And it just... You know, it was like kind of pulling on Jumanji and pulling on all these things that kind of seemed a little silly to me, just to tr- even in a comic book setting. But it was so serious and so um, it, it almost felt like it was like take trying to take itself more serious than I would have liked it to. Like I, I maybe would have preferred maybe a lighter kind of like a- acknowledgement of how w- whimsical and just fantasy filled this story is. Um, so the story didn't land flush for me. The characters though carried a huge weight the art carried a huge weight i didn't get to finish this book i'm like 80 pages away i'm probably going to finish it tonight just because i'm interested and i'll definitely be reading volume two when it comes out so i'm a fan it's not a perfect book by any means but i think i like where it's going and the characters are cool enough for me to be interested the rest of the way so i'm going to give it like a seven five i like it i like it yeah i think the characters carry it um I think there are there the story itself was boring as shit. I mean, it's just been done. It's it is Jumanji, the nostalgia of Dungeons and Dragons, you get sucked in the game and now you have your like the only thing that made this really like cleanse my palate was the characters and like I have new ideas on what characters are capable of because of the creativity with that. And that really really like hits me though like you know how important character development is and when it comes to unique characters like gerard way's characters in umbrella academy like that's what's kind of turned me on to the series like the whole story and the depth and the creativity outside of the character development it's just like yeah but the characters itself are so fun that's really what's gotten to me because i think that's really challenging and i thought that was on full display here the characters were so unique um i thought the grief knight was a bitch you're lying. And You're fucking lying. I thought You're lying. Bro, earlier you were just bitch. gushing about the grief night. Like on this I, recorded episode. It's literally recorded on record of you gushing about how sick the grief night is. I am gushing about the concept of the grief night. Don't get me wrong. I think Matt is a little pussy ass bitch, and I think that Dominic is a pussy ass bitch. And I think that both of them are pouting for the entire Dom- entirety of the Dominic story. Again? Dominic Dominic's is, the main character. It's Ash. He pouts. Oh, Ash. Oh, the Ash. entire time he's pouting. And well, it's Matt's fucking much- sad, Jordan. Jesus. Okay, let's have some optimism from our protagonist. As opposed Why? to just uh, He gets power from well, being sad. If he's optimistic, yeah, he's gonna No, get you're wrecked. talking about I'm talking about Dominic mostly. The Grief Knight, like, he's okay, but honestly, I'd rather have a brooding, like, fucking badass less like uh, I have so much like pent up aggression, as opposed to like Make me Been sad. Done before. Now, the fact that that was different to where it wasn't anger, it was sadness, I respect and I love. See? So I'm not even like hating on the Grief Knight. The Grief Knight is actually 
a, it's kind of a pussy in reality because he doesn't want to be the grief knight. He's just forced to. That's, that's what makes him so sick. But he doesn't even want when it. he strikes, he's badass. Now the dictator Ash really really annoyed me, and when the protagonist annoys me, it's really hard to buy into a story. And all he was doing, or she, whichever you look at the character, was just pouting, and how inconvenient everything was, and how like I don't want to use my power because it's they'll hate me after I use it, and uh, and it's just like okay, nobody whatever. likes to be like, hated, man. Come on. Uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't a huge fan of, of, of those characters, but the, the concept behind the Grief Knight is just one of the coolest things I've ever fucking heard. And Isabel was my bitch. Like, she came in as the hot to trot, bilingual, foreign, sexy girl that fucking wanted to be an atheist that had gods as pets. And she walked out essentially the exact same person. I mean, maybe her life didn't turn out as it wanted to be, but she fucking tamed gods and like controlled them and wielded them. And it gave me a little bit of a Final Fantasy VIII, God of War vibe, like super cool, super unique, huge fan of that. The story itself sucked. I mean, who cares about what happened? Like the ending like happened, like it was like an Umbrella Academy ending. Like it just happened it was yeah. really quick. And then it's like, all right, cliffhanger and buy the next one. Um, and the dragon battle was like the only real battle we saw. Like they had fought the fallen, but you don't see anything. It's just like talked about. So there was a lot of potential here. And I think the characters built it. And I think that the story is good enough to want to keep reading. The characters are exactly enough to want to keep reading. So I think that you should get this. I gave it a craft. I gave it a 6.8. If the main character wasn't as mopey and the story had more love, I think it'd be an eight, but that just, brought me down a little bit so with those with our powers combined pretty low i feel like 6.7 all right 6.7 on, on goodreads the volume one fantasy heartbreaker got 4.6 out of five stars which is like a nine which is 9. hella 2. high yeah so I don't know about what you guys like need to do, but I think you guys need to like meditate or maybe take <laughs> an Epsom salt bath or I don't know, drink some ice water. But I just I don't like your energy today because you guys missed it. And I really feel like we need to bring some positive vibes here. You guys are both hating on a great book. That definitely wasn't perfect, Coming but it was from pretty the guy fucking that didn't good. Finish it. <laughs> hey, I said I was Gold. eighty pages away, and I'm gonna finish it tonight. <laughs> I've been busy, Jordan. But it's good. I know you have, bro. It's but I'm good, saying though. the ending is disappointing. The ending is disappointing. I, I, I maybe I, maybe it is, but I just I don't know. I, don't know. I, I kind of think we missed this one. It is a different book, so I could see why people would like it. Um, I think people are bougie, so yeah, let's like give it a bougie rating. I feel that's a bougie rating. Um, what is what the fuck does that let mean? Me, Four let me touch two? on the artwork though, because you loved the artwork, Zach, and Jared hated the artwork. So I yeah. personally didn't like the artwork either. Wow, I thought dude. it was an attempt at low art with an undertone of lock and key, with like the character, like yeah. the cartoonist, like over detailed character, and it was like a mash. It wasn't. It didn't work. It wasn't like 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 the vague, colorful, beautiful, like kind of. Uh, abstract art that low is is what they were trying to go for in the background but they're so focused with the cartoonist characters that i thought it was like a mismatch so here here's my thing uh i love the color schematics i do my problem is when um and not stephanie Hahn is actually an amazing artist i actually seen her she, i follow her on instagram she does amazing character like her watercolor 
what she does is is off the chart. So um, I never want to criticize an artist because it is hard work, um, and it is, and particularly doing a comic book because you're on a a, a, a scheduled time right to get this done. Um, but my biggest issue is when you look at a character from one way, but you look at the same character, let's say from a profile way, and it doesn't even look like it. Like, and maybe I don't know if this was on purpose, but to me, Ash changed throughout the whole story. Like, I felt like her, maybe she kept getting better at this because she kept getting hotter, Ash, right? Like, towards the end, like, her features were becoming more sharper, less bland. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the story. I don't know. But to me, when when you show the same face, but it looks different from a, a different angle, and it doesn't, you can't really recognize it except for maybe her the eye thing that she had red and white hair. That's where I had the problem with the art. Um, hmm. And... And again, I'm being critiquing, but I guess this is what we're doing. This is what we do. And um, again, Stephanie Hans does an amazing art. I've seen her. Her Scarlet Witch was amazing. She does a, a Phoenix Knight one that's really great. She does amazing watercolors. And the covers on here are amazing. Like if you look at the books, the covers for these books are are super dope, right? They've got the mm-hmm. uh, what I I I those are great. But in the panels, that's where things get lost. Um, and when you mm. when you got a guy like Greg Tutini and you could see the minute things that he does in those things, you know what I mean? It's beautiful, right? It's like opening up, you know, like looking out, I'm gonna, you know, out on a flower bed, you know, a field of flowers. And this kind of looked like some of the flowers were dying. If I'm being honest, <laughs> oh, God. but God damn, I just but she's a great artist. She is. I'm her. like I'm not joking yeah. about that. Her her art uh, I, is amazing. I, you know what? I appreciate your perspective, Jr. To be honest, because you're an artist and you're deep into this th- stuff, and that was a very art technical take that I would have never, like, I I didn't notice that. I mean, I but now that you say that, I feel like yeah, sure. Like, I do think that Ash, in particular, was a character that started to look different throughout the panels. I did notice that she started to get hotter. There was a couple panels, and I was like, dang, Ash can kind of get it. Um, so I get it. Um, and that's a great take. I I don't know. I think. I think I'm just a fan of, uh, what did you call it? Stylized art. Maybe Stylized. that's the thing. Like, I'm just a sucker for stylized art. I don't know. But I, I liked the art, so. Yeah. For what it's worth. No, her, well, her big panels are amazing. Well, You're right. Some of the big let's panels. Come, let's, come back to what's some, let's come back to what's important. So we're on the clock in this draft. And We're on the clock? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we're on the clock. So we're doing a what? live draft right now. Um, the options are not the sexiest. This is where it gets nitty and gritty. These are our last three picks. So we have back-to-back picks here. Um, I personally feel like we could have some – could use some wide receiver help. So I think we should do some uh, wide receiver flyers. And I'm going to throw four players at you guys. I want you to give me two that you agree on, and we'll take them. Does that sound fair? Sure. All right. So we got Denzel Mims, rookie receiver for the New York Jets. Um, oh, fuck that. high, high draft profile, uh, athletic freak, no competition really besides Jamison Crowder. Um, but he pulled his hamstring today and he's out for two, out for like two days. Uh, but it's soft, soft tissue injury. You never know how long it's going to be. And then we have Jamison Crowder, who's also on the jets, cool. but is Sam Darnold's favorite target is a reception machine. In a PPR standpoint, he's pretty consistent. His ceiling's just pretty low. Didn't we take and Sam we, Darnold too? Yeah, we got we got a Jets quarterback. So, you oh, know. Fuck. and then we got Emmanuel Sanders, who was picked up by the Saints. 
who is a proven receiver, number two option on that offense, an explosive offense. He just hasn't had a solid number two in years since Marquise Colson was there. So who knows how often they'll include him. And then the fourth player I will throw on here is, uh, <laughs> let's say Lazard, number two option in Green Bay behind Devontae Adams. Um, uh, not really a lot of evidence of talent, but just from a volume standpoint, Devontae goes out, he's number one option. I guess my first impression is Emmanuel Sanders. Um, he had a legit season last year. I'm with that. I, I'm with that too. Um, and, okay, so Sanders is in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he got. He's got. I mean, he's going to be an amazing option for Drew Brees. Um, my biggest issue with jet wide receivers, and this is not. Um, this is not me being biased because of the Patriots. Is those guys are going to be guarded either by Stephen Gilmore or um. Or by uh, what's his face, the other guy, which is pretty legit. They're from pretty, the Lions. From the, no, um, uh, what's his name? The other corner from, for the Patriots. So twice, twice, twice a year. So I mean, oh fuck off! He's gonna be covered by two corners from the Patriots. They're both so good. Stephen Gilmore's. I mean, no, Stephen Gilmore got Defensive Player of the Year last year. Yeah. No, Gilmore's great, but you uh, don't know the number two's name, bro. So what they a lot of times what they do is they Devin put, McCourty. Was a safety. No, it's his, his brother. It might be, but there's. I mean, it, it, I'm just gonna say they're gonna go up against that secondary a lot. I don't want anything to do with the Jets receivers, bro. And I'm kind of sad that we have Sam Darnold. Like, what's the what's the draft like strategy behind getting the same quarterback and receiver? Like, is that like a good idea or, or a bad idea? Um, honestly, it just happens to be that they have their their number one receiver still hasn't been drafted. So that no, I know I get that's that. That's how bad I'm their talking, offense is. I'm talking is. from a macro level, not like ours. I'm saying, like, as a draft strategy overall, is it a good idea to have the same receiver as your quarterback, or is it a better idea to like spread that out? I think that in this personal case, we have two picks left. This is the 16th round, and if we can get a number one receiver in the 16th round, that's the value. I don't think that it has anything to do with that we have Sam Darnold. I wasn't even considering that. I'm just thinking that. If you can get a number one target option in the second to last round, that's the value. Okay. So what are our other options again? The targets. So we have Jamison Crowder. We have who is the proven uh, slot receiver for that team. Sam Darnold has a connection. So he gets a lot of receptions. It's just, he's not going to get a lot of touchdowns or long, big plays. So his ceiling is limited. His floor is high. Then we have Denzel Mims, who is the first round pick uh, freak athlete explosive big fast he's just unproven and that's the um, number one option right it's him or crowder i mean crowder's gonna be a slot so i think denzel's the big play guy on that offense um outside of that i'll read you the top 10 we have t higgins who's a rookie out of cincinnati he's just the third option there we have sterling Shepard. we already took darius slayton so we don't need a giants another giants receiver chenault jr who's a rookie drafted by the jaguars but who wants a jaguars receiver D.D. Westbrook, another Jaguars receiver. Anthony Miller, another Bears receiver. Alshon Jeffrey. We can take Alshon Jeffrey. Um, he's a touchdown machine. He's just injury prone. He gets hurt every fucking season. I know. I know. So, And then we got Golden Tate, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Justin Jefferson. That's another high upside receiver. First round pick out of the Vikings. He's supposed Wait, to replace is, Stephon Diggs. Is, is Alshon Jeffrey still playing for the Eagles? Yeah. The dude just gets hurt every... 
I don't know, man. That for the for the sixteenth final pick, getting somebody that what if he doesn't get hurt this season, bro? Imagine the value. But he gets hurt. Carson wins throwing to Alshon Jeffrey, bro. He scores so many touchdowns. He gets hurt every season, though. Like he never finishes. I mean, in the Super Bowl, he was hurt. Um, we also have Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's still alive. But yeah, I mean, Alshon has a weird upside because he does get a lot of TDs, but uh, and they have no really competition there. So I'm not opposed to taking Alshon. It's just like we're taking the risk of rookie or injury right now. And we're pretty certain Alshon will get hurt at least two to five games this year. Um, but w- well, what about Fitz? Fitz I mean, doesn't Fitz get there. hurt. Fitz is constant. Fitz isn't a rookie. You know he's going to get his touches. He they obviously got, he's lost a step, but they still. got Hopkins there now. So That's true. He's even lower. Oh on the, man, on the yeah. Hopkins is going to get the ball. D Hop. Yeah, he's, Hopkins is a he, fucking. He's one of he the best receivers in the NFL. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. So Fitz is yeah he's just down the he's just he's old and he's down the the roster there so I don't I, I think we take a flyer on a young guy but we can also take a flyer on Alshon like I'm, I'm I, I it's just injury or inexperience what are you more comfortable with and it's so hard all right so it's either so we're, we're let's narrow this down so it's Mims or Alshon Jeffrey right yeah Let- so we're out Crowder fuck Crowder. Yeah, I'm I'm out on Crowder. Yeah, I just all right, all right. So Mims or or Jeffrey, I'm good with that. Um, I guess let's go with Jeffrey. I mean, uh, I do love the potential. I mean, I guess you could pray that he doesn't get hurt. Um, uh, but at least the potential's there, right? And I mean, he's a deep ball guy, and Wentz is a deep ball guy. So he loves- okay. wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute. Let's let's think about this. I'm looking at Alshon Jeffrey on Google right now. Is he hurt? Eagles Alshon Jeffrey doesn't have a timetable. Oh, he's hurt. Jeffrey Foote yeah. remains without a timetable to return to yeah. practice. Bo Good Wolf catch. of the Athletic reports. It's basically been the same story for months. Blah, blah, blah. Peterson, he's doing well, but he doesn't have a timetable to return. Not Good catch. All right. So Jeffrey's out then. Yes. Fuck, we're not fucking with that. All right. So we got Denzel Mims, number one receiver potentially in New York Jets, or Justin Jefferson, uh, number two option for the Minnesota Vikings. Both drafted in first round. Uh, I guess we have Kirk Cousins as well. So either way, we're getting our <laughs> we're getting our second. Is he a, what kind a of receiver is he? Is he a deep ball guy? Or do you know, or do you know? It? So Justin Jefferson's worked in the slot in his college career. Uh, Mims is a big play guy. So do you want somebody on the outside that has big play potential? Or do you want somebody on the inside that can get more receptions? I just don't. Think I, but I'm, I vote big player potential. I do too. I'm because... looking at I'm looking at Mims highlight tape at Baylor right now. It's it's. I mean, he's a. He was a stud. My biggest thing about in the first Cousins round. is he is legit. He's ranked higher. He is not as a short game. Like, he does not throw. This is why he gets in trouble, because he throws the ball down the field all the time. He doesn't go for, like, 10-yard first downs. Do you know what I mean? And that's what if that's what he is, a slot receiver, I don't see him being used as often. Well, that's Justin Jefferson's profile. They're anticipating him to replace Stephon Diggs, who was their big play guy, because Thielen works out of the slot. But he doesn't have a whole lot of big play uh History. Mm. So, all right. So, I think we're on the side of Denzel Mims then. I think so. Big play guy. Whatever, man. I know. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it too. Let's do it. If, if he's a big Darnold's about to be the best QB in the league. Let's go. He is. Yeah, right. we, we really got all our eggs on the, on the Jets <laughs> offense. So, oh, <laughs> Jets. Oh. <laughs> we got late. Sam Darnold's our third quarter or third quarterback taken, and Denzel Mims was our sixth receiver. So, I think we're okay. Um, 
thanks for listening to that uh, while we power <laughs> through our, our uh, fantasy draft decisions. Yes, but that's, that's us in a nutshell. So we're as transparent as can be. Uh, before we close out, do you got any plugs you want to put out there, JR? Um, not really. Uh, other than maybe just I'm doing more art. Pay attention to, you know, if you want prints or anything like that, you know, you can hit, hit me up on Instagram. And uh, I'm even doing commissions. So if you want me to paint something, let me know. I'll paint it. Well, to a certain can I, degree. Can I pay you to paint naked and film it? I knew that was coming, and that's video? why I said to a certain degree. <laughs> he instantly was like, oh, I fucked that up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have put borders on that, or else Jordan's going to run wild. What do you think of me? It. You knew that was coming? I, knew was coming. I guess I'm predictable. Disclaimer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, it helps, helps. So that's all I got. All jokes aside, that uh, personal painting that was not Umbrella Academy that you put out there uh, yesterday or two days ago, that was – fucking epic that was a great Thanks. great piece of work i thought that was really cool uh z got anything you want to shout out nope not today just thanks for listening love you guys long time you want to shout out like our friendship <laughs> no. appreciate us shout out to our friendship <laughs> um no. how, how, how far i'm actually kind of mad at you bro to be honest oh well let's air this out on the yeah. air what are you mad at me about um, you fucking said that the grief night's a bitch, bro. And that's, <laughs> that's fucking fake. It's not real. All right. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe Fuck you've done that. this. Uh, he is kind of a bitch, but he used it to his advantage. Um, the oh bitch God. factor. I like I got, it. I got nothing to really shout out besides, uh, shout out to fantasy on tap for having us in this fantasy league. This is a lot of fun and shout out to all of the losers on yes. those podcasts in this league. Congratulate them. They're going to succumb to our heavy tight end <laughs> strategy. I can't believe we got killed. going jumbo package. Oh, my God. Lots of running backs. We're going jumbo package. <laughs> A lot of tight ends. We're going to run it up the gut. <laughs> and we're going to get some tutties out of it. So I'm very excited about that. But uh, no, thank you guys so much for checking this week. And as always, we'll catch you next week. Later. Peace.